You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Well, today we're in part three of a series called Supreme, called Supreme. In week one, I told you um, that the word supreme may or may not define your favorite uh, kind of pizza, but this series, unfortunately, not about pizza. As much as I would have loved for it to be about pizza, we decided four weeks on that probably wouldn't fly. And so instead, we're going at a different definition of the word supreme, and that is superior to all others. The word supreme carries that definition of superior to all others, to all things. And so in this series, we're just looking at one chapter of scripture, four weeks of time throughout the month of June, talking about one person who is supreme. And that person's name is Jesus. Uh, And so in this series, we're kind of answering this question, sort of, if you will, uh, in this chapter is, is what does it mean when Jesus is supreme? Okay, what does it mean when Jesus is supreme? Because, uh, man, here's what what I found is that when Jesus is superior to all others, when he is supreme in your life, it will change um, how you live. It will change how I live. It'll change how your marriage works, your family works, how you go to work, all of those things. It changes when Jesus gets supremacy priority in your life. And so if you have a copy of scripture, open up with me to Colossians chapter one. That's where we're hanging out. Colossians chapter one. If you don't have a um, hard or digital copy of scripture here in the room or in our online gathering, we'll put some verses um, on the screen behind me or on your screen from wherever you're joining today. But we're going to be Colossians chapter one. If you joined us for the first two weeks, we have completed 14 verses of this chapter, one to 14. Today, we're going to go 15 through 20. Now, um, as you're kind of opening and and settling your spot there, a lot of people, a lot of scholars believe that the words that we're going to read today from this middle section of Colossians 1 were actually originally a hymn. And so they were perhaps lyrics to a song that made their way into Scripture. And so I thought it would be a great moment here to kind of take a side street to say that a lot of times in our um, our deeply churched culture that a lot of us find ourselves in, that um, that we we are quick to separate the worship and singing through music from the preaching through the Word. Okay, like some of you, you joined the gathering today, or you stopped on the scroll wherever you are in our online gathering, and like you you are really fired up about the singing. Not so much about the guy who's going to get up and talk for 30 minutes after that, okay? All right? Or or some of you, you were like, man, not the singing musical type, couldn't carry a bucket and a 10-gallon drum, okay? But like, I'm here, hope the preacher makes me laugh today, all right? And some of you, that's you. And and we have separated that, but let me me just like dispel that today, that they they are one together, all right? The worship, all right? happens with the word, that the word is worship, and worship is the word, and all of those things join together to make much of Jesus, who is supreme over all things. And so here's what's going to happen today for all my note takers to kind of give you a framework for what I'm going to hopefully walk out of Colossians 1 with you today, is I'm going to give you three areas of our life or three areas of the world where Jesus is supreme where he's superior to all others. Like scripture's not gonna give you a place to argue with that today. It's just he is supreme. And then, not just knowledge today, but application, what does that mean for your life? Like if he really is supreme, how does that change how you're gonna live on Monday? All right, how does that change how you interact with your father or your kids today? And so let's go Colossians chapter one. Um, We'll pick up in verse 15 where we're gonna start. Scripture says the son, capital S, is the image of the invisible God. Now, I'm going to stop right there, kind of break that down for just a second. The Son is the image of the invisible God. In this first phrase, Paul tells us very, something very important about Jesus. He says that when Jesus came to earth, he was fully God, 
but also he was fully man. Okay, now when you think about that very hard, it's going to go, all right? It's just hard to wrap your mind around it. But here's the important part of that, that Paul's telling us, that Jesus, when he came to earth, he was the full representation of God the Father, all right? And, and, and here's what I, as I thought about that this week, it was like almost that God was saying, hey, I know you're going to need something tangible to help you fully believe. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you. Do you hear that today? That God loved you so much, he wanted relationship with you so much that he came to you. He became one of, like he left the perfection of heaven to step into all the chaos of this because he wanted relationship with you. That's good. God the Father manifested in Jesus the Son, and he came to Jesus was the full representation of God the Father. Paul goes on. Let's keep reading. Colossians 1, 15, 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17. He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I told you I was going to give you three areas, three places in life and in our world where Jesus is supreme. Here's number one. Jesus is supreme over creation. Jesus is supreme right now over creation. Verse 15 ended saying Jesus was the first, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, okay? How many firstborns we got in the room? Raise your hand if you're online. Put a little hand up. In the, okay, a lot of proud firstborns, okay? I'm a firstborn, clear? Firstborn, they just are the best. They just are, okay? All right, and all you secondborns, don't send me emails, okay? I can't, we just are, all right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's all good. Like, if you're firstborn in our, like, time in history that we landed on planet Earth, um, there's some kind of benefits that happen with that, right? Like, all mom and dad's attention is, like, yours, because well, there's nobody else. Like, it's just you, okay? But also, maybe some other parts of that is, like, you got, like, oh, helicopter parent, okay, bubble kid, because, like, you know, you dropped your passy, and, like, the moment it hits, like, oh, we got to sterilize that thing for an hour before we can put it back in. Okay, your third sibling arrived, and, like, it on the bottom of the sandbox, like, stick it in your mouth, okay? All right, so it's just, like, there's different things that come with that, being firstborn. Now, in this moment in history, um, in, in this biblical moment in history, firstborn, like they had, they, there's a lot of benefits, a lot of rights that came with being firstborn as opposed to being a little further down the totem, totem pole. And, and here's what Paul's saying, that Jesus had certain privileges, certain rights in relation to creation, um, that he had priority, he had preeminence, um, he was sovereign in creation. He was the firstborn in creation. Now, verses 16 and 17 kind of help it make a little more sense because it says that creation was created in him, through him, and for him. Um, in, in other words, creation, watch this, creation finds its origin, its sustaining power, and its ongoing purpose in Jesus. In him, through him, and for him. We could kind of picture it this way. Um, it's kind of like the, the building of a substantial building. Some of you are in construction. Some of you maybe you've been a part of a building project. Um, there's kind of like we could say three big tiers of that to kind of get you in the building first. Um, maybe there's like an architect who lays out plans 
for the building. Okay, they, they lay out what the owner desires. They draw it all out, map it all out. And then you, you bring in who? A, a builder or a contractor to execute the plan to build it out to what the owner wants. And then after this however long process, then who finally steps into the building? The owner, right? Architect, builder, owner. And, and what Paul is saying here is Paul is saying in creation, God the Father through Jesus He's not only the builder of the universe, he's got the whole world in his hands, okay, but he's also the architect and he's the owner. All of it is his. All things have been created in him, he designed it. By him, he, he built it, and it's for him. All creation finds its purpose in beating for Jesus. So the, the rushing rivers, his idea and work. The vast, vast oceans, Jesus' idea. And the majestic mountains, the heavens, the solar system, try to wrap your brain around that, Jesus. His idea and his work. This week I read um, that a single human chromosome, okay, for all my, my medical scientist people, I am not, I read this, okay. The, the single human chromosome contains 20 billion bits of information, like, that's so much information that if it was put in normal human language in a normal human book like we read, it would take 4,000 volumes to capture all of that information. That, that's one chromosome. Let me just like kind of remind you what's going on inside of you right now. You have 23 pairs of chromosomes. All the idea and the work and finding its purpose in Jesus. He, he is supreme over creation. I, I was like stopping this week trying to wrap my mind around it for a moment. I realized like it's impossible. It is impossible for us to grasp the power and the supremacy of God in creation. Like think about it. Think about the, the evolution of humanity where we as humans, we spent years, probably decades, trying to come up with space travel. Like just create a ship that would go from our one little bitty planet and just shoot to one moon of our planet, just, just to get there. And you have to think that God's just sitting in heaven going like, man, that's, that's not even the distance from my front door to my mailbox, all right? Or, or, or like we as humans, like we, we spent years trying to figure out how to, how to travel to the depths of the ocean. How could we create something to get there? Like what's down there? Could we just go see it? And God's going like, that's, that's not even the kiddie pool depth. Or, or how about this? This is for all my summer people right here, okay? You can go to Gulf Shores, Alabama, hello, okay? And you can be wiped away by the tide and the pull of one single wave on your little foam boogie board that you got from the shark shop, okay? You can be wiped away by one wave, one wave in one little gulf. And God's going, that, that's not even a thumbnail of the power that I have. He is supreme over all creation. So, so let, me, let me ask you this question. Here's what begins to apply to your life. Let me ask you, if that's the power and the might of our God, why would you ever doubt his power in your life? See, we, we think, okay, let me, let me get inside your brain because I've been there before myself. We think, well, God, God if, I, um, if I tied to you, if I tithe the first 10%, the first 10% of my income, I, mean, I don't know if you can take care of me the rest of the month. 
God, God I, don't, I don't know if I can turn over to you my anxiety because, I, oh, I got a lot going on. Like, it's, it's big, God. Or, or my kids, they're running, they're doing all these things that I never intended, that I never hoped for, that I never t- God, I don't know if I can surrender them to you. I don't know if you can handle that. God, there's this relationship thing that fell apart, and I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm getting advice, and, and I just, but, but like, it's really big. God, I don't know if I can give it to you. And I can't help but think he's just sitting there going, you can't handle one wave out of my gulf. Why don't you trust me? See, he is, he is supreme in all power, in all knowledge, in all wisdom over his creation. I love how the message translation tells us verse 17. Look at it on the screen. It says, he, Jesus, he was there before any of it came into existence. He was waiting on it. And then what is he doing right now? Oh, he's holding it all together right up to this moment. Church, listen to me. Jesus held the galaxies, the oceans, and the mountains together last night while you were knocked out snoring. He can be trusted with your life. He can be trusted. So let me ask you, do you, do you view and trust Jesus with that kind of power? Don't give me the church answer. Give me the Monday afternoon answer. Do do you view Jesus with that kind of sustaining supreme power? Because listen, if you're going like, well, I don't know, do I or not? Let me me give you the the filter on how you don't know if you do. Because if you do, it will change what you worry about. It it will change what you get anxious over. It'll change what you put your hope in. Because he he is supreme, he's sovereign, he's superior to all others in all of creation. And creation's just beating for him today. He's superior to all others. But Paul keeps going. Verse 18, love this. He says in Colossians 1.18, And he, Jesus, he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. In this verse, second area, he wrote down the first one. He's supreme in creation. Jesus is supreme over the church. Jesus is supreme. Not the building, okay? Not this little deal, okay? No, the people, He's supreme over the people. Um, if you read the New Testament, you know Paul also wrote some stuff from 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and he's describing the church, the gathering of the believers in that, and he uses the body to paint an analogy of the church. He does that in those two chapters. Here, Paul's just carrying it over to Colossians 1. He's using the analogy again of the body, and he says, hey, if the church is a body, Jesus is the head. He he sits on top. Jesus is the head of the body or the church. What does that mean? It means he's supreme. It means he goes first. It means he's superior to all others. Um, Paul would say it this way two books earlier in Ephesians. Look at this. Ephesians 1.22. And God, the Father, placed all things under his, Jesus the Son, under his feet, and he appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Ephesians tells us that God rightfully and completely appointed Jesus to be head and supreme over the church. So let me kind of just give a little word of warning today, okay, to my, my friends here, all right? Um, if you can access teaching today, spiritual teaching, biblical teaching, self-help teaching, like just YouTube, and you have thousands of options, 
Or you can go to the bookstore, download on your phone, on your Kindle, books to help you, spirituality, religion, self-help, whatever your jam is that you go after. And let me just say this to you today. There's so many different ones that you can pursue or read or listen to. And I'm just saying to you from God's word today um, that if what you're hearing or what you're reading doesn't consistently and constantly keep pointing back to Jesus, there's a really good chance that Jesus ain't the head of that person or that place. You with me? Okay. And so what I'm saying to you just in love and grace today as we grow is that men use that filter of, of is it constantly pointing back to the finished work of Jesus? Why? Because he's supreme over it. Why is that? Because God appointed him that. He is supreme over his church. Well, well what, about, what, what about the exchange? Kind of new to you guys. I just joined online. Like, what about you? How do you live out that Jesus is, is appointed head over this little church thing that's going on here? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I got some answers for you, okay? Um, first, we make that present in, in our theology, in what we believe. Like, as a church, from the very beginning, we have five core values, all defined by Scripture. And our first core value is that we exchange ideas, because there's a lot of them, for what's true. And we, we put a little definition with it. Here's what the definition says. No more believing that there are multiple ways to get to God. We teach Jesus as the only way, and he's at the center of all that we do. So what does that mean? Well, that means that we firmly believe what Jesus said in John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no one gets to the who? Father, except by Jesus. That's it. Okay, so what's our main theology? That's it. Okay, so what, what is that? How do we acknowledge Jesus as head? Well, we teach that. Like here in the gathering, not just when we gather all the moms and the daddies and the students, okay, but like junior high and high school, so that's what they hear. That's the foundation of their teaching. If you got a kid all right, in, in kid life or little life right now, you know what they're getting? They're getting goldfish and Jesus, okay? <laughs> Why? Because he's supreme. We, there's nothing better we can give them, all right? That, that's who he is. Um, we acknowledge Jesus as the head, not just in what we teach, but also in what we sing. Like, like every week, if you've been here long enough, every week we sing like it's Easter. Like you don't have to wear your flower dress every week, but we sing like it's Easter. Why? Because we think everything should point back to the finished work of Jesus and then what that means for our life. Why? Because he's supreme. He's head over it all. Um, I got a few more for you. We acknowledge Jesus as the head um, of our church and the leaders that we choose. Like, like the staff team that leads our spiritual family, they're, they're continually challenged to make sure that they are, they're personally growing in Jesus so that they can then publicly point people to Jesus. Like we think that matters. And, I, and I'm really proud to say that the, the 10 or so people and the spouses that are on our team, they're all actively engaged in making disciples for Jesus and in becoming disciples of Jesus. Like we think that's a big deal. It's not just a job, right? It's a calling to follow Jesus. Why? Because he's supreme, right? Uh, uh, we acknowledge Jesus as the head in the decisions that we make about the future of the vision of our little nine-year-old family that's going on here. Like, Jesus drives that. We, you want to know how we make decisions when something's on the table? We go, will that help us more effectively point more people to the, the person and the work and the hope of Jesus? That's it. That's the filter. 
Like maybe you heard the little rumor that like we, we bought a little building right down the road. Like we're trying to get there, a little more elbow room, okay? And, and why, why'd you buy a bigger building? So that you could, you could be seen more? So you could say, look at the size of our building. No, 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 no. No, because if you hadn't been here long, like we need a lot of elbow room. Because we need more people to, to gather as the church to be connected to this little family that God's doing so they can know Jesus. Because why, why? he's supreme. We have nothing better to give them. I got two more. We, we acknowledge Jesus as the head in the way that we manage the finances of the church. That's a fun hot topic, isn't it? Church and money, money and church. Okay? You want to you know how we view it? It's all his. Every cent, every penny. Okay? So you know what that does? That changes how we manage it. Because we don't go, ooh, what are we going to do with all this? But we go, oh, man, it, it's all yours. So, like, how do you want us to use what's yours in your church? Changes how you budget. We, we, we acknowledge Jesus' head in the way that we serve our community. If you're part of our family, like, you know, like, that's just who we are. That's what we do. Why do you do that? So you can say, look at us. No. Because we believe that when we, when we actively and tangibly show the love of Jesus to our city, to our community, to our schools, to those less fortunate, to you name it, when we do that, you know, watch this, we build relationship so that they're more willing to listen to, to us being able to share them that Jesus matters for their life and he loves them. Why? Because he's supreme. And so like as the, as the lead pastor of this little, this little local church thing going on right here that we're all connected in, I can say without... A shadow of a doubt to you today that Jesus sits supreme over this house. He just does. He's superior to all others. So that, that's what it means for like us collectively, like hundreds of us together in this growing thing. Well, what does it mean for you? Like how you believe and how you operate. What does it mean for you? What does it mean um, for, for me? If Jesus is the head and we're part of the body, we kind of got to know our role as the body, right? You follow me? Okay, I want to give you two things that hopefully they're very memorable. The, the first thing that means that Jesus is the head, what's that mean for you? First thing it means is I'm not the head. Let me say that again, maybe more Rankin County lingo. I ain't the head. Did you get it that time? See, here's the deal. Like in our deeply churched culture that we're in, it's so easy, and you've done it before, and so have I, to, to acknowledge maybe the, the senior pastor, the lead pastor, the guy who runs his mouth the most on Sunday, we can put it that way, like, that, like it, it, it belongs to him. He, he's, he's the head leader of that, okay? And here's what I'll say to you. Like, God, yeah, he called my wife and I to help plant this thing almost nine years ago. And yeah, I lead our team and I do run my mouth the most on Sunday. But here's what I'm clearly here to define for you. It's not Bryant's church. It's Jesus' church. I will let you down. Just, just hang out long enough. It's coming. He will not. Why? Because he's supreme. God appointed him. He said he'll be the best leader. In fact, he's the only leader. So, so here's one. It, I ain't the leader. And guess what it also means? You ain't the leader either. That means it's not about you. What, what does that mean? Well, I, I come, I, I like, listen, it's not about you, but it is you. Let me say that again, see if it'll stick. It's not about you, but it is you. Like, you're the body. You're the family. Like, 
you have a role to play in this whole thing that, that's going on. Like you're connected into this. This, this is what this means, that you have a role in the body. So, so let me, like this may be direct, but here we go. Okay, this means that if you show up to like this, this place every Sunday, 9.30 or 11, or you join in our online family, we're so glad you're there. Listen, if you show up every week going, um, man, I wonder what they got for me today. I hope, I hope they sing my favorite song. I hope the preacher tells that funny story. Um, I hope they really love my kid. I hope somebody just sees me and says, hey, or they like my shirt or they like my dress. I, I wonder what they're going to give me today. Look at me. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Because what did we just say? Like we're, we're the body, not the head. Like that we all have a role to play, which means we're called to act as the body. What does the body do? The body serves and blesses one another. That, that's how a healthy body functions. I want, let's play it out real practically. Let's go, um, let's say that your right leg, okay, stay with me, a little silly, but I'm going somewhere. Let's say that you wake up and your right leg goes, man, I wonder what the rest of the body is going to do for me today. Um, you know, I'm going to see what they do. And if the rest of the body comes through and, and can do something for me today, then I'll think about taking a step. But until then, I'll be good right here. How, how beneficial is that right leg to your body? Well, you might as well cut it off. Okay? Why? Because every member of the body has a role to play in the body. Are you following me? And the body exists to serve and bless one another and then those outside of our community, okay? And so here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment. Some of you didn't know I was going to do this. It'll embarrass you for half a second. It'll all be good. Um, I want to take a moment and acknowledge some like crazy, awesome, special, phenomenal people who are in our room. If you're online, just kind of throw a little hand in the comment section. If you played any role um, in, our, in our camp kid life this week, if you, like the video we saw earlier, if you played any role, like if you played an instrument, changed diapers with our little lifers, served a snack, led a group, played a game, if you did anything, I want you to stand to your feet, just stand to your feet right now, stand right here, no seriously, like do it right now, in the room, stay on your feet, stay on your feet, I'm not sure why they're not clapping for you, but just keep standing, keep standing to your feet, okay, awesome, that's such a golf clap, can we thank these people, stay there, stay there, look at me, look at me. These people this week, listen, I was here every night. I got to be in the background. Look at me. These people, okay, many of them for three, four nights this week, hung out with, invested in your children, my children, our community, community's children, some, some energetic, um, wild, um, stinky, okay, sweaty Beautiful children. And you know how much all of them got paid? Ooh, you ready for this? Nothing. Why? Because that's what the body does. The body serves and blesses one another. Thank you. You guys can be seated. So let me ask you, now that I may have got up in your grill... How are you serving and functioning as the body in the body? And what I'm saying to you in the most loving, graceful way today to all of you is don't be a stubborn right leg. 
If Jesus is supreme and he's head, and Scripture says that he came not to be served, but to serve. Son of God, Savior of the world. If anybody didn't have to do it, he didn't have to do it, but he did it. Are you using your life in the context of the family to use whatever gifting, experience, maturity, understanding of God's word to pour out into other people. And you go, well, y'all just short on volunteers. Y'all got to find some more volunteers. No, 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 no. Listen, watch this, watch. You ready? Why would you say all this? Because chances are, if you're not serving and doing your role in the body, watch this, you can begin to believe that you're the head and it's about you. And Paul so clearly went after it today, and he said, it ain't about you, and it ain't about me. It's about him. He's head. He's supreme. So then we, we respond and we function out of that. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. Uh, here's what Paul would say, Ephesians 4, verse 11. He says, so Christ, so Jesus himself, watch this. This is the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to do what? To teach everybody else so they could sit there? No, no, watch this. To equip his people, that's you and me, that's the body, for the works of service. Why would we do that? I got a lot going on. I don't have more time. Here's, here's the end goal. You ready? So that the body of Christ, that's all of us, may be built up. In other words, we're, we're not all fully built. No. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge that we would grow in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ. Watch this. It's beautiful. We all have these different gifts. Like your abilities is different than that person sitting two seats down from you. Your life experience online is different than that other person that's a part of the online gathering today. And God goes, watch this. I'm going to put them all together. And when they function together obediently and they're all functioning as the body, they're going to help each other mature and be built up, attaining to the full measure of the wholeness of Christ. And man, the world's going to see me as supreme. It's a beautiful picture. So, so here's, here's my question, okay? And I'm going to get off my soapbox. If Jesus is supreme over the church, and he is, how does that need to change how you view and how you do church? Don't answer out loud. But if you're part of the body, how do you need to change how you view and do church, because it's not about you, but it is you. See, Jesus is supreme over creation. He's supreme over the church. I got one more. Buckle up. Colossians 1, verse 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Here's the final truth in our passage. I told you I'd give you three areas. Here it is. Jesus is supreme over reconciliation. Okay? Write the word down. Let me define it. Jesus is supreme over reconciliation. Okay? We understand in the picture that sin broke us from God. We needed being made right. We needed reuniting reconciliation with God. Jesus is supreme over that. Let's put flesh on it. Okay? Verse 19 says that God, the Father, was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in 
Jesus. This means that the sum of all of the supernatural attributes of God, he poured into Jesus. And then Jesus came to earth. Paul would say it this way, Colossians 2, verse 9, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, Father, Son, Spirit, lives in bodily form. He's a tangible version of that. Hebrews 1, 3, the Son, Jesus, capital S, he's the radiance, he's the reflection of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And here's what he's doing again. He's sustaining all things all right, by his powerful word. So we could say it this way in normal people terms. God was proud of his boy. And he put all of his character, nature, power into his son. And he sent him to earth. I'll never forget the very first time um, he was a few months old where it really registered, where I saw my face, this image of me, in the face and the image of my son. I remember exactly where I was right now. And it was, um, it was an emotional moment. It was an exciting moment, and it was a scary moment, okay? Because he got some of this, all right? All right? And, and he got some of this. And, and, and I went, man, like, that's over what? You know why? Because he was my image bearer. And, and not only did he get some of, some of this jacked upness, okay? But you know what he also got? He got some of this jacked upness. But he's my image bearer. And Colossians 1 says that God the Father looked at Jesus and he was proud and he, he willingly took his power, his knowledge, his attributes, and, and he poured it into his son. And then watch this. He sent his son to earth into the mess of sin and humanity where he knew ultimately it would cost him his life. He willingly did that. Now, as parents, and I'm going to speak on my behalf, and maybe some of you will identify, as parents, we typically try to keep our kids out of the mess, don't we? Like, isn't that part of the understood goal of parenting? Um, for those of you who know me on a kind of a personal level, some of you don't, um, like, I, I don't do messy. Like, I, I don't. Like, I'm not a messy person, okay? Um, I, I love clean. Like, I prefer that. That's my preference. Um, and so, therefore, as I co-parent with my wife, I try to lead my kids out of the mess. Like, define mess however you want to. Like, it's a lot of different levels. But I have learned over my eight and a half years of raising my son that I, as a man, have a responsibility to help my son, my young son, navigate men's public restrooms. Can we just have a little real talk for a moment? I don't know that some of you are, some of you are already grossed out. It's okay. You'll be all right. Okay? You just go here for about three minutes. Okay? I have a responsibility to help my son navigate men's public restrooms. And if you've been in some before, they are a zoo, okay? They're on, on many different levels. And I, as a father, have a responsibility to pass down a heritage and a legacy of dealing with cleanliness inside the midst of that horrible mess, okay? So if you want some of this, just lean in for just a second, okay? I'm going somewhere, okay? And so there's, there's a process, some, some objectives that I've taught my son as we enter and navigate men's public restrooms, okay? First is it's the initial check, all right? You got to do the initial check. It's kind of, for all my military people, it's kind of like a reconnaissance trip. Okay, you got to send somebody ahead to do the work, to survey the land, to go, is this land worth entering or not? All right. And sometimes the answer is it ain't. Sometimes the answer is no, we're going to the next gas station on the way to Orange Beach. We ain't doing that one. Are you with me? Some of y'all acting way too holy up in this moment. Like you won't do that before. All right. We do initial check and sometimes it meets it. Sometimes it don't. Okay. 
Now, here's the second thing. Then we, we move past the initial check. If it works in that and we, it passes, then we move into puddle hopper mode, okay? All right, are you with me? Can we go there? Listen, y'all ain't ready for real talk. Y'all are like, you the preacher. You can't listen. Puddle hopper mode is you walk in, and if there's wet spots on the floor, we hop in the puddles, buddy. We ain't walking in it. Okay, why would you do that? Because you don't know where the puddle came from. And what you step in comes out with you. Uh-huh. Okay. So puddle hop, if you survive puddle hopper mode, which we typically do, okay, all right, then you got to do what you came for, okay? And then when you get done, then we move into creative flushing. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, some of you, you're like, okay, that's me now. All right, I'm a, all right, listen, praise God for automatic flushing toilets, okay? Like whoever that guy was, he deserves a raise. Double it, okay? But where that's not present, okay, um, if you can't, uh, if it doesn't automatically flush, you don't touch that thing with your bare hand, what do you got to use? You got to, if it's like, uh-huh, yeah. Some of y'all tell it on yourself now, okay? All right, and, and listen, it, I'm going to teach some people, you ready? And, it, and if it's too high to go here, all right, then you got to go here, okay? Some of your ladies are like, Hi. listen, it's a different toilet, okay? It just is, all right? But you got to go here to keep this clean. Are you with me? Okay? And then once we do creative flushing, then it moves to sink sanitation, all right? And that's an important part of the pro. Okay? Wash your hands when you get done with your business, okay? Now, listen, here's the thing. What we have discovered is sometimes there are some restrooms, okay, where you would, you would not get cleaner, all right, dealing with anything in that sinkhole area right there. And so we, we, we do a little initial check there, and if it ain't working for us, okay, we get our hands clean, but we'll go to the hand sanitizer, the nearest shower, okay, something like that, but you don't touch the sink, just don't go there. If it's clean enough, we're good with that. All right, and then it ends. Some of you are like, oh, God, it ends. Please let it end, okay? Listen, then we, we, we end with a creative exit, okay, kind of like our creative flow. And so in creative exit, you by no means whatsoever, ever, 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 in your life, forever, ever, ever, touch the door on the way out with your bare hand. Uh-huh. Some of y'all, you, yeah, you, tell, you, you can tell the story now. Like, well, how do you get out then? Well, you creatively, okay? Like sometimes it's paper towels. That's easiest. If you could go here, garbage cans there, you just kind of ease your way out. Or you could go elbow, okay? You go shirt like this. You could slide out with a friend if they grabbed it, okay? So, <laughs> Take a good friend, take a messy friend to the bathroom sometimes. Or, or like, you know, some of them now you can just get the foot in there and just like, just work the ankle, okay? And then you could just walk out just like that. You've been educated now, all right? You didn't even know you was coming for that and you just got it right there, okay? And some of you, I know, I know some of you right now, you're going like, I am so embarrassed for you. Like, that's, and so, I know some of you on Father's Day, you're getting ready to take my man card right now. You are. You're like, dude, you don't even deserve that right now, okay? But listen, here's what I'll tell you, okay? For those of you in the room and online, listen to me. If that's you and that's what you want to do for me, I am secure in my masculinity. I'm telling you that. I'm secure in my masculinity, and I've never been so proud of a father as when I watch my son flush the toilet with his foot for the very first time. (laughs) Yep. I felt like I had won as a dad, okay? I could just hang it up right there. It was all over. It was all good, Okay? Now, there's some of you who are going, yeah, you're off your rocker, bro, all right? Why did I just have to sit through three minutes of the tutorial of you teaching your son how to navigate a men's public restroom? And I've got a reason. That's a good thing, okay? I've got a reason. It's going somewhere. You see, maybe you're with me. Maybe you don't go quite that far, okay? You can write that down and use that. I haven't copyrighted it. But for you, you maybe you're like me, and you, you, you aim to keep the kid out of the mess, right? Don't we? We, we keep him out of the germs, 
and, and all the new bacteria that we learn about and the dirtiness, and, and we want to keep our kid out of the mess. But what I'm telling us today is that Colossians 1 says that God the Father looked at his son and he willingly sent him into the mess. Knowing that it would cost him his life. And we can be pretty messy, can't we? And he said he sent him into the mess to reconcile all things to himself. And that includes you and me. Why? Because Jesus is supreme over all reconciliation. And what I'm saying to you today is that God looked ahead into time and he saw you and he saw me and he saw the mess that we would get ourselves in. He saw the brokenness that you would experience. Maybe you're living in right now. He saw the shame from the decisions that you would make. He saw the addictions that would hold you captive and he saw our inability to rescue ourselves. And he says, you know what? And he looked at his son and he willingly sent him into the mess knowing he would have to pay for it all. Now, don't miss this. This phrase Paul uses, reconcile to himself all things, does not mean that just because Jesus died, all people are now reconciled and saved. Because you could hear that somewhere. No, what Paul is saying here is that Jesus' death and resurrection opened the way to reconciliation. But for you and me, there's an act of surrender, of will, of laying down plans, purposes to go, Jesus, you get supremacy, first place, superior to all others in my life. Now listen to me. If you've surrendered, if he's supreme, then Colossians 1's great news. He's made right what you couldn't make right. He's made you new. And that relationship that was broken between you and your eternal earthly, or your eternal heavenly father has been reunited. All through the work of Jesus. Here's what Paul would say, 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God who did what? Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, through him. Why? Because he's supreme and he was no longer counting people's sins against them. Jesus has opened the way for us to be reconciled with God. And here's how this begins to more deeply connect with your life is that we will never experience reconciliation with others until we first realize that that's a response to God's reconciliation with us. Let me say that again. Reconciliation with others in your life will never happen until it's a response to how Jesus has reconciled you. Your spouse, you'll never be reconciled with them until you first respond to Jesus' reconciliation in your life. That parent-kid relationship that's broken may keep you from texting or calling dad today. Never be reconciled, truly. So it's first a response to how Jesus has reconciled you, the boss, the coworker that you got to go deal with tomorrow, never have unity, the reconciliation, the respect, the honor until you first respond to how Jesus came to get you. Reconciliation with others only happens in response to God's reconciliation 
for us. Jesus is supreme over reconciliation. So here's my question to you, two of them. First, have you received that reconciliation love of God? Has it redeemed you and made you new? Have you surrendered your life, your will to be made right with God? Have you done that? And some of you went, yeah, yeah, yeah. If so, who do you in your life, right, who do you need to extend that reconciliation love to? An ex-spouse? A parent? A kid? A coworker? A family member? See, see what, it, what it was perhaps God is reminding you today through Colossians 1, 19 and 20 of how he reconciled you? What if like this moment's happening so that God's telling you that so that you might send the text or make the phone call or stop by and have the conversation to extend the reconciling power of God that's been given to your life over whoever it is in your life. Reconciliation with others only happens as a response to God's reconciliation with us. We see church today, Colossians 1 makes it so clear. Jesus is the King Supreme. He just is. There's nothing outside of his power, his knowledge, his reign. And I love how the message translation reminds us, sums it all up right here. Here's how we land. Colossians 1 verse 20. I love this. All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. And oh, there are many. The people, it's me and you. The things, the animals, and atoms, they all, here it is, they get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. How? All because of his, Jesus' death, and Jesus' blood that poured down from the cross. He is the king. He's supreme. He's superior to all others. Nobody matches up with him. And right now, in this moment, he sits supreme over creation. He holds all the power. Will you trust him with that same power in your life? He's supreme over the church right now. You're the body. How does it need to change how you view and do church? And he's supreme over reconciliation, which means no matter where you've been, how far you are, he can make you right with God, and then he can give you the power and the peace and the boldness to reconcile with others. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.